When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind the scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacher boys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Preacher Boys podcast. Look, today's episode is way different, so please don't skip this intro because I want to give some context for what you're about to listen to. Um, I put out on Twitter the other day that if you wanted me as a guest on your podcast, the answer is yes. I will come on anybody's podcast, given the scheduling works out. Uh, happy to do it. I'm not going to ask you about your downloads and you know all that kind of jazz. Like Right now, uh, I just want to get on as many shows as possible, talk a little bit about Bridge Boys podcast, about some of the activism work happening there. And uh, good old Tommy McMurtry, the pastor of a church over in Illinois, uh, who I've talked about on this show before. He's a, he's a unique uh, character. Um, he uh, gets featured a lot uh, alongside guys like you know Stephen Anderson and and all those those types of crowd. He he's not affiliated with Stephen Anderson uh, at this point, but um, it, it's kind of the flavor of his uh, preaching and and his uh, his style. Um, if you're familiar with like kind of the the more extreme side of the IFB, he would he would fit in that category. And uh, he reached out. He said, I'd love to interview you. And I said, I would love to be interviewed. Um, and so I went on his show, uh, which is called the uh, 
his YouTube channel is Liberty Baptist Church of Rock Falls, Illinois. Um, and uh, I did a conversation with him. He grilled me for about an hour and a half. And this is the audio you're about to listen to. I do not endorse uh, the views that Tommy shares in this episode. So if you're a first time listener to the podcast, um, just be aware that usually I am the interviewer. Uh, and this clip you're going to hear, I am the interviewee. Uh, so uh, Tommy's views don't represent mine. I think you'll figure that out based on the clip. Uh, but I want to give that context for what this is. But again, I, I applaud Tommy for one thing in this, which is he had the guts to sit down and actually talk with me, which a lot of IFB pastors just haven't been willing to do. And so it was interesting hearing the questions he was going to ask from his side, uh, his perspective, and uh, I hope my answers were helpful. Some of them were a little bit broad, so I wasn't able to go into as much detail as I'd like to. Um, But anyway, here's my conversation with Tommy McMurtry, and uh, enjoy this uh, very unique and special episode. Yeah, all right. So ladies and gentlemen, I believe we are live. We started a couple minutes early. And we did that on purpose because to teach all of you the importance of showing up for things early. And we, I believe in people showing up for church early, stuff like that. So anyway, we're going to jump right into this. Make sure you let me know if there's any audio issues in the live chat. So a couple days ago, we tried doing this kind of spur of the moment, and uh, but we did it pre-recorded and we got a good ways into it. And then I realized the audio was messed up. And so it was uh, a good conversation too. We were having a good conversation, but you could only hear you. You could not hear me. Hey, some might say that's the, (laughs) that's the best way to do this. But uh, the problem is I would really liked what I had to say. And uh, yeah, so that, yeah, that was disappointing. So I told him, all right, we'll just do it on Friday and we'll do it live. And so some of the stuff that we're going to talk about, uh, Eric kind of knows it's coming because we're, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be repeated, uh, some good things uh, that were said. But the one thing, uh, yes, this is the apostate. Thank you. <laughs> um, you guys are thing, like WWE, man, coming, yeah, coming in gonna, quick. It's probably going to get ugly, but um, we'll we'll see what happens. All right, let me let me apologize ahead of time for all my viewers, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I've seen some pretty nasty stuff said about me uh, on your Twitter and on your YouTube channel and things like that. So uh, it's gonna it's gonna get good. But um, in our conversation we had before, we were talking a lot about stuff that we agreed on, and I really don't want to do that so much in this conversation. I would prefer to talk about the stuff that we disagree on, just because I think that that is uh, I think that's more entertaining uh, personally and. Obviously, um, we do want a little bit of entertainment value here. But um, again, so for those who maybe are not familiar with Eric, um, he has a YouTube channel, uh, Preacher Boys documentary. I think it's called it says Stop IFB Abuse. Used to be an independent fundamental Baptist. Um, saw a lot of the cover-ups and junk that sometimes happens in the IFB world got turned off to it and uh, go ahead and why don't you say a little bit uh, about yourself and um, you know tell tell everybody a little bit about what you do and why you do it 
Yeah. So uh, like you said, I grew up in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Uh, my parents were both uh, full-time staff at the Christian school um, where I went uh, Monday through Friday. And then my dad was on staff at the church I was at uh, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, all those uh, three to thrive kind of jams. And, um, you know, grew up, made a lot of good memories, uh, made some good friendships, uh, you know, spent, had a lot of fun. You know, I, I wasn't the kid that was like waiting to get out. Um, and uh, then come, to, I think it was, I was in 10th or 11th grade. Uh, there was a sexual abuse cover up that happened. And uh, the pastor who was involved or youth pastor that was involved got relocated to our church. And um, I was one of the first people to find out on the congregation side, started sounding the alarm about it. And uh, people were not happy I was talking about it. And uh, so um, basically, I ended up kind of getting pushed outside of that circle, which was all I knew, um, and started really researching kind of the movement as a whole. I came across, you know, Jack Hiles, Jack Scott situation happened a little bit after that, uh, you know, stuff with Treber. I mean, I started seeing these people that were always praised in chapel services for me growing up were all part of these really ridiculous scandals and cover-ups. So well, there was just a lot of incongruity between what was being preached and what was actually happening behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, so that was really what pushed me out quite a bit. Um, I you know, remained a remained a Christian, but didn't identify as IFB, and uh, you know, ended up starting Preacher Boys podcast and uh, really trying to expose uh, the abuses that weren't being talked about and giving a, a voice to survivors of abuse within the movement. And uh, since then, I've just been trying to figure life out, like I think everybody who's in their twenties is trying to do, trying to figure out where I'm at, what I believe, what's true, what's not, and uh, you know, kind of go from there. Um, and so. Yeah, excited to chat a little bit. And I will say this, I complimented you and no one's going to believe it. Uh, so I'll say it again now. Um, I uh, We have a lot of disagreements I'm sure we'll talk about, um, but I do respect that you are consistently as crazy uh, in, in person as you are uh, in your public persona and uh, that you don't shift gears depending on who you're talking to. I think we have that in common. Uh, we have beliefs that we have and we're not afraid to talk about them. And uh, I'm glad you have the guts to actually uh, invite me on and talk because there's a lot of pastors I've tried to talk to that uh, have not offered uh, opportunity like this. So I, I appreciate that. Right. Yeah, when you're sincere, yeah, you're not afraid. You're not you're not afraid of a challenge. We're not recovering right. fundamentalists here. <laughs> uh, we actually don't fear challenges, and we'll actually take challenges. Big big difference there. But anyway, but yeah. So kind of what this is really going to be. On uh, for those watching, and I told Eric, is I just want to really go over a list of grievances. He put it out there that uh, you know he wanted to do interview. You know, he's willing to do interviews with people. I asked if you want to do it with me. It's not going to be easy, but it's it's going to be fair because um, you know I've followed his, Eric's uh, what he's been doing for quite a while, and I, I've been somebody who for years I've had a problem with abuse and cover ups in the IFB. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one of the things that really got you going with your ministry was the specific situation with Cameron Giovanelli, if I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, that was another one, too, that um, I got fired up about. I was mm -hmm. running my mouth about that whole thing. I, I, I appreciated the way Pastor Shiflett handled it. I didn't like the response that he got. I had a huge problem with that. So I've always had a problem with it, as well as many other preachers. However... 
you know, we typically are not super high on the totem pole in the IFB world. We're not the featured speakers, the celebrity pastors, and stuff like that. So it's it's e it's kind of easy to ignore us. But whenever I see someone speaking out against it, I'm always glad to hear that because I want it to go away. And I think one of the reasons I appreciated Pastor Shiflet so much, and when I and I loved his book so much, is because here was a guy that was calling out the abuse in a big way, but he wasn't dumping everything that I believe is good about the IFB. And unfortunately, that's what it seems like most people do who start talking about the abuse. I feel like they're just using flawed men, flawed churches as an excuse to bash everything that's good about the IFB. And it seems like you very quickly, you know, upon uh, doing exposés on perverts and stuff, just seem to embrace every bit of left-wing lunacy that's out there. And so how can you possibly have been an IFB guy? And I understand getting turned away from that and maybe not wanting to hang around certain groups or you know, even having problems with some things that the IFB is known for. But to, to jump from that into the full-blown just wokeism, the feminism, <laughs> All, all this other stuff. And then, too, to eventually just say, I'm not even a believer anymore. You know, mm -hmm. that's what we all think about people like you to begin with, mm -hmm. that you're just not even believers to begin with, mm -hmm. that you hate truth. And haven't you just proved that? And, and, uh, and don't, you know, hasn't what you've done, the things that you've promoted, aren't you just making it so the bad guys you actually have called out they're able to just point like, look, these are the kind of people that, you know, are talking about the junk in the IFB. You know, haven't you kind of given the bad guys what they need? Yeah, I think I think to some level you're you're correct in that, you know, it's it's very similar to when someone, you know, starts censoring, you know, different uh you know, denominations and going after them. There's there's this expectation of persecution, you know, that people have. And so when you do go after in any way, you're playing into that hand. Same thing, you know, when I started the show, you know, and people can believe what they want, you know, I believed what I said I believed. I was consistent with what I said. And when I didn't believe it anymore, I was open quickly because I didn't want to be hypocritical. Um, because I believe there's a lot of there's a lot of pastors and a lot of people sitting in churches who don't believe what they claim to believe. Um, and so I knew when I said, you know, I no longer believe, you know, that there were going to be people that said, I knew it, uh, which was a shock to me because I didn't know it. Um, and there were going to be people that said, we knew if you spent time, you know, focusing on this, it would draw you away. Um, you know, but on the flip side of that, what's more important to me than the optics of what people want to say is just being truthful to where I'm actually at. And so, you know, I don't find myself now in a position where I'm trying to deconvert anybody. Um, it's just where I happen to be. Um, and, you know, I know it seems like a very quick shift for me. Um, but, you know, my my journey of trying to figure life out has been since I've left the movement. I've been trying to understand where I'm at um, and trying to work my way through that. And, you know, I've had various different ministry things I haven't talked about, various different um, conversations, a lot of study that I've done. I haven't come to this place purely out of emotion, which I think is the uh, kind of approach people have. It's been 
I knew my positions before. I know them now. We were talking, you know, yesterday, like there's just pastors that come at me with verses and, and sermons and uh, apologetics that I'm like, not only do I disagree with your approach, uh, I could give that apologetic better um, than what you're trying to throw that, that verse. So, you know, I, again, uh, yes. Are there people that are going to use that against me? Sure. Um, but I think if it was found out 10 years later that I didn't truly believe it, it would be the same thing, you know, why, why live a double life? So do you, would you say that your problem uh, that you have is abuse within the IFB or do you just have a problem with the IFB? Because I'm talking doctrine, I'm mm-hmm. talking about way of life. Cause to me, I don't believe those two things are related. I think that's just example. Bad guys come in or even, you know, even good people, end up messing up and falling into sin. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe the, and I am, I'm, I'm defensive when it comes to the IFB. I love the IFB world. I don't like uh, seeing people attack it, leave it, you know, going after good people in it. And yet all the groups that try to just expose the bad, you know, the actual bad junk all seem to go to this. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, would you just admit that, yeah, I don't like IFB doctrine. I don't like their way of life, you know, or is yeah, it I, just abuse? I think there's two separate things there. I mean, I think for the, I don't like the abuse, but abuse happens in anywhere. There's a group of a hundred people. There's statistically probably someone abusive within that group. So um, I don't think this is an IFB only issue. Um, I know people have levy that criticism that you think oh it's just ifb i think hollywood has these issues the ifb catholicism clearly has these issues the mormon church has these issues nexium scientology fill in the, the any group you want to put there um as far as ifb theology i mean i don't like monolithic statements um there's things about ifb beliefs and there's ifb pastors that teach things that i think are really beautiful principles and good things uh clearly i don't um I don't believe a lot of those things. So it's not so much a dislike so much as a, I don't find it applicable to me. Um, just like I wouldn't find Islam or Mormonism or any other religious group. Um, I do, I think that there's some belief systems and things that exist that make abuse more possible in certain environments. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into that a bit, but you know, there's some teachings and attitudes within, you know, purity culture at large within uh, the way that women are, are, uh, you know, not platformed or not given any kind of uh, voice within the church that lead to abuse. Um, you know, and even people that, you know, I respect like Stacy Shiflett who have stood up against this stuff. I've had these conversations with him where, you know, you're a really good leader from all accounts within your church, but is the system, if, if a next person came in, you know, would they be able to do the same things that your predecessor did without any checks and balances? Like that's the conversation there. But again, are all IFB churches bad? No. Or is all IFB doctrine harmful? No. Um, you know, is there things that concern me? Yes. You know, but again, I, I have never said all IFB churches are bad. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of bad leaders that the people who are the premier speakers, uh, a lot of those I would say are, are pretty rough, but, um, there's a lot of nuance to that, I think. Right. Well, cause I feel like you discredit yourself, you know, for example, if you go after, uh, when you go after good people or even some of the good things that are promoted with the IFB, like you have a lot of negative things to say 
about the purity culture um, that I just, when I hear you talk about these things, I feel like you don't even understand why purity is so important and why predators are are so bad. It seems like there's a, a huge disconnect. Um, also, too, um, the, you know, yeah, when it comes to gender roles. Because here's the thing, too, that I would think you would understand coming from the IFB world, okay? And I get it. You're to the point now where you don't believe the Bible, you know, is, you know, you're, you're, you consider yourself an unbeliever. But you understand IFB, we're fundamentalists, we take the Bible literally. Right. So even though you do not accept that anymore, you know, shouldn't you respect the fact and understand the fact that if people are claiming to be followers of the Bible, that they will understand the Bible's very clear. You know, mm-hmm. women are not to usurp authority over the man. They're, mm-hmm. They are to be silent in the church. You know, that the that purity is a very important thing. And it is a it is a virtue. And it is something that's of of great value. And, uh, and so even though you might not like that, you know, it's like for, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't like about, or I disagree with when it comes to the Amish, but you know what? I can respect the fact that, okay, that's what their religion teaches. That's why they're doing what they're doing. You know, I'll talk about where the disagreements are, but you know, when I see somebody actually following their religion, I actually like that better like in our area, we've got Amish Mennonites where they look like Amish people, but they all use technology. I think you're fake Amish at that point. So it's like if somebody, you know, if you're if you're a Muslim, I expect you to be, you know, trying to kill infidels and uh, practicing Sharia law and stuff like that. And if you're a Bible believer, I expect you to take these things literally and be practicing them. And so if you just don't like that, you know, to me, you should just be honest and say, I don't like the Bible. I think the Bible is wrong. What's wrong with these Baptists for following the Bible? You know, so why don't you do it that way? Yeah, but I think that's one of those things where, you know, taking the Bible literally, for example, you know, there's – because, again, people go broadly, well, do you believe the Bible, you know, when it comes to – or, you know, do you understand that fundamentalists believe the Bible? There's a lot of people who disagree on – a lot of things that IFB churches or IFB pastors would say is set in stone in scripture. You know, like there are people who would say, you know, for example, and I don't know where you're on this, but, but there are IFB pastors who would say the earth is 6,000 years old. And that's because I'm a Bible believer. Like creation was seven literal days because I'm a Bible believer. You'd also have people that say, I believe in, you know, the gap theory because I'm a Bible believer. I believe there's seven days. It doesn't give clarity in that area. And same with gender roles, you know, I've interviewed uh, medieval historian Beth Allison Barr, who, you know, talks about, uh, and she wrote the book, uh, The Making of Biblical Womanhood, you know, and she talks a lot about, and she would be a very conservative, you know, Bible believer, um, though I don't think many would recognize her as that. Um, but within her study, like she talks about how, you know, the letters from Paul, which were written to the people at that time. So there's a lot of customs associated with that. Like our understanding of like the patriarchy and the way that we approach gender roles now is a lot more reserved and a lot more based on Jewish culture than what was actually being taught in scripture. So again, there's a lot of people who could say, oh, I'm fundamentalist. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this like the, my issue is that those fundamentalists don't agree with each other 
on what the Bible actually says. Like there's, there's a lot of interpretation. There's a lot of deciding what's just history written to those people. What is actually God spoken to me specifically. Um, and so to just say like, well, we do this because we believe the Bible. There's people who are charismatic Pentecostal who would say the exact same thing. So it's hard, it's hard to draw the line, um, on that front, if that, if that makes sense. Um, and again, this is broadly like the Bible as a whole. So, you know, we could talk about every different facet and story and, and say, what about this? What about this? Yeah. Well, I guess the, you know, the thing is there's always somebody that you can find that, you know, will kind of interpret the Bible the way you want them to. I mean, there's people that teach UFOs and aliens from the Bible too, Yeah. you know, but at the same time, too, a lot of these people, they are, they're just kind of um, fringe, they're outsiders, they're not a part of any movement, they, ha- they have no history, uh, they're just kind of one more person that's just saying what everybody's wanting to say in this woke culture. They don't have anything that's, you know, been tested and tried throughout history, and so it just sounds like people just trying to make the Bible fit you know, the modern culture. And and you understand the IFB is not like that. You know, we try to well, be true to what the scripture says. And we've got, you know, when it comes to maybe some things about the IFB, you know, obviously there's, there's weird things and weird factions of the IFB. But I'm just talking about just stuff like, again, yeah, like gender roles. I mean, that used to just be part of our society when we were very Christian. And you know what? You know, these, these things are, very spelled out in the scripture and you can't there's no way you can say things are getting better in this world as they're getting away from that i mean people can't even figure out what stinking gender they are anymore it's not making them happier well we i mean we talked about this a little bit on our our last conversation like there is um you know we're looking at a very small period of time right like we're looking even if we go back to the roots of the ifb movement um which i don't know would you say that that goes back i mean all the way to jesus are you one of those or would you identify that it is a not not a our relatively style new, okay. not our style of doing things i mean i think our doctrine is as old as the bible sure but as so, far as a lot of our practices and our culture yeah obviously it's not it's not super old so again i mean you go back and, you know, because you hear things like, oh, it's not tried, it's not tested. Well, the IFB is still a relatively new experiment in the span of the actual denomination. I mean, if you were to go back to, like I said, if you go back to medieval history and you look at, you know, the the church at that time, there were a lot of female leaders within the church. If you go back, uh, I mean, throughout time, there are these little experiments that happen throughout religion, throughout the world. And again, right now, we're at a period of shakeup where women are, you know, being given more voice. Women are being able to share their perspective for the first time. And same with, you know, any racial topics too. I mean, we're seeing a time now where non-white people are able to share their perspective within the U.S. in a very uh, open way. But again, this is all a, a very small sliver of time. This is within the last couple of years. And so, you know, whether it's going to be a net positive over time, I think it will be, but it's too soon to say what are the ramifications of, you know, the the Me Too movement overall. Will that be a full cleansing of what's happening in, say, Hollywood? Will that be a full cleansing of what's happening within church culture? You know, 
I don't think one movement's going to get the entire job done, but I think there is a positive that happens when someone who has not been given a voice is given a voice for the first time. And I think that's going to prevent some of the cover-ups and abuses that have happened historically in male, you know, white male dominated circles. Um, I think it's going to allow for there to be more transparency moving forward, which is a good thing, I think. Right. Well, while the IFB movement too, like, so well, I don't know exactly how old it is, you know, is it J. Frank Norris old, whatever, Right. You know, here's here's the thing about it, you know, and pe- there's people out there that will tell you, you can always find it. People like us throughout history. I don't know. Here's what I do know is that I'm not and I tell people this all the time. If I find another group that I feel is preaching the Bible better, you know, following the Bible better than the IFB, I'll join that group. But, you know, at the same time, I I am the last one to try you know, new things, you know, I am the anti-trendy, as I, as I like to call it. And when it comes to independent fundamental Baptists, our style of Baptists, okay, I grew up in it, you know, my dad, uh, ra- you know, raised me that way. I've got previous generations that I can look back on. I have, you know, I come from a line, you could say, of Baptist people that I have known in my life. My grandparents were Baptist, um, you know, and they, you know, so I've seen a product that works. You know, I am very thankful for the way I was raised and I have, I have done everything I can to raise my kids in the same way. And obviously there's been really slight variations, you know, you know, obviously it's not identical, but very slight. And so I, and, and it's working, you know, I feel like I've got a, I've got a tested product. My thing is find what working means. Cause that's something well, I want, so yeah, what working. So one, um, I want marriages that are happy, that that last, that stay together. You know, I come from a long line too of people that, that divorce is just not really a thing uh, in, in my family, you know, and, and it's not just miserable marriages too, you know, good, happy marriages, uh, good, happy childhoods. You know, I, I don't want kids that are going to jail. I don't want kids that are leaving the faith and denying the faith and, so, again, so far, you know, I've got so many examples of things I can look at that are working. Now, there's exceptions that are out there. Okay, now, not really so much in my immediate family. It's it's you know, it's a pretty high number or high high percentage. I'm saying though, I don't see another movement that's producing anything that I would I would want for my children. And I think every parent they want the best for their children, and I don't see anything i you know the people that are going more liberal i don't see them producing anything i want i see them producing lgbt kids i see them you know uh producing kids that are just completely leaving the faith as well that's not what i want where the people that are producing the kind of product that i want for my children for my grandchildren they're all in the ifb and if i another group starts doing it better I can't find that label in the Bible. I'll I'll take that label, but it's 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 not there. So show me somebody doing something better, and I, and I'll take it. And I feel like what you're promoting, it is it's this it's this woke agenda. Feminism is not making women happier. More and more women are on medication and things than ever before. Divorce is a bad thing. It's running rampant. You know the gender dysphoria stuff it's 
getting big for a reason, sexual perversion. I I would not wish, you know, some kid coming out as you know what on my worst enemy and let alone one of my own children, yet that is becoming more and more and more common. And that's another thing where I think you discredit yourself too. Is yeah, you seem like you or you act like you have a big problem with perversion, but then you know, some of the stuff that you feature on your program with LGBT people. In fact, one of your uh, videos you did was on how LGBTQ Christians experience harm in the church. You've got to understand that according to the Bible, according to Baptist theology, you know, there's no such thing as an LGBTQ Christian. You've got to understand that. And, and can you understand why Baptists are just going to write you off and just dismiss you when you're promoting somebody who's talking about LGBTQ Christians, that is such an oxymoron. Yeah. Well, again, I think um, the the thing that's interesting to me, and even in this conversation has been present, is that uh, there's many times where IFP pastors go, well, do you write off everything in the movement? Do you broad brush everything in it? Um, you know, but then when it comes to the minute I platform somebody who has a disagreement, whether it's small or large within the Baptist context, they use that as a reason to write off everything that I'm talking about. And so, again, you know, do I expect everyone to agree with everything that I do on my show? No. There's people who would disagree that I'm coming on this platform with you. There's people that would disagree that I had Stacey Shiflett on my show because he hasn't renounced the IFB. Um, and then on the flip side, I have conservative Christians, even people in groups like Recovering Fundamentalists you know, network that dislike some of the content that I put out. And so I don't expect anyone to monolithically agree with everything I promote or every guest I have on. Um, that being said, the guests that I have promoted, for example, the one that you're mentioning, um, you know, I don't know if you listened to the episode or if you've, or if you've read her book, um, she also approaches scripture from a, what she would deem a conservative view of marriage and relationships. And so she does identify as experiencing same-sex attraction, but her religious beliefs, uh, she believes, prohibit her from being in a marriage relationship. So she stayed celibate. Now, again, most IFP pastors who are upset about that interview didn't listen to her explain that or talk about that in any regard, that she's trying to the best of her ability to follow scripture the way that she interprets it. Um, but from my perspective, you know, the, the quote-unquote perversion, to use the word you used earlier, that bothers me most is when it violates someone else's autonomy in some way. And so, you know, I have a great issue when someone is being forcibly, you know, it, whether it's in a heterosexual or homosexual environment, when they're being forced to do something sexual that's against their will. Um, and I'll talk about that all day long. Um, I think that's a major issue. Do I have deep concerns about, you know, what someone does privately, whether again, whether hetero, heterosexual or, or homosexual, I don't. It doesn't affect. If it doesn't affect or cause harm to somebody, um, I don't have a reason to be concerned about it myself. Um, you know, when someone says, "Do you agree with you know being gay?" It's like I, I disagree with it for myself. Um, I don't want it forced onto me. Um, but if there's you know somebody else, I don't see why that should take up real estate in my mind. If that makes sense. Um, but again, from the beginning, you know, I would never. Uh, I would never decline having a guest on who would, who would, you know, just because there's some disagreement or it's going to bring some outcry from one side or the other. Um, that's not, that's not how I run things. Right. Well, I guess, 
you know, what this comes down to, and and again, with you being from the IFB, again, I, I just, there's some things that um, you can't unsee. It's like when, you, when you've seen the truth on some stuff, it's like you can't unsee it. So it's like, how could you have been in the IFB, seen the things you saw, heard the things that you've heard, and then just reject some things that are so common sense? So for example, if you're against perversion, abuse, and stuff like that, okay, and I, you know, you meant, uh, and this is what makes it seem like you're just accepting whatever the left-wing agenda is, you know, it is only in the news media, it is only in Hollywood, where in the LGBT world, they're just same-sex attracted people, just like you and me, but attracted to the same sex. That is, that is a myth, you know, these are people that the Bible says have been given over to a reprobate mind and the amount of abuse that is within that world. I mean, it doesn't even compare to with what's in the IFB world. I mean, such a large portion of your LGBT people are people who are abuse victims. And that's what's so bad about abuse. When you twist people's minds on when it comes to, you know, the sexual things, it ends up it does a great deal of damage to them mentally. And most of your, you know, people who identify that way are victims and they turn around and end up producing more victims. And so I just, you know, well, I as somebody who actually address, hates abuse, I just, yeah. I can't handle that world. But I want to address that because that's, I mean, that's factually incorrect. Like most people who are victimized don't become abusers themselves that's been disproved study after study um and it's one of the reasons that let me say this though i'm saying most people who identify as lgbt have been abused i've never seen that but um again happy to look at, at, at information about that i mean it's one thing that um I will say as far as abuser or uh, abuse victims becoming perpetrators themselves that that that's been disproven. It's one of the reasons that many victims don't come forward is because that that misconception and that that concern around that. As far as uh, a lot of people in the LGBT community having been abused, I haven't heard that uh information. I haven't seen data about that. Um you know, and and what the ramifications or implications right. about that would be. And I'm not saying, too, that most abuse victims become abusers. I'm saying most abusers were also abuse victims. That's the same thing backwards. No, <laughs> if, if, no because, if, I mean, like, so you can have uh, 100 people get abused and maybe uh, only one of them becomes an mm -hmm. abuser. But if you have 100 abusers, probably 90 some of them were abused. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. I'm, I'm I, saying I, most of your people who become abusers <clears throat> were abuse victims themselves hmm. because it's in people don't. And that's, you know, and you should understand this. Okay. Cause this is what is clearly in the Bible. This is not what our world is teaching. Okay. And this is something the you know, you're not going to be allowed to agree with me on this, but I just can't, I, I'm not going into fantasy world. Okay. I don't use people's preferred pronouns either. I don't play their, I don't play their fantasy games, but people aren't born that way. They, it is something that happens to them. This is, this is a distorted mind. That's, that's how people end up going into that world. 
And, I, and I'm saying nothing destroys people's mind and affects people's minds more than being abused themselves. Um, or two, you know, even if you were to count things like uh, just being exposed to stuff too, even if somebody's not physically touched or something, the things people are seeing and looking at all the time. You know, perverts love to show people pornographic images and things mm-hmm. like that. That's something that uh, they, because they are, yeah, they're, they're breaking yeah. the mind of mm-hmm. these people. And that's why as somebody who, you know, hates, hates abuse, hates perversion, I hate all, I hate all forms of it. And the things that people are using to mess people's mind up and create abusers, there's a reason we're seeing more and more of this today. And the more we promote the, this worldly philosophy of, they're not being a gender, you know, people being whatever they want of not having a biblical home with, uh, you know, a committed husband and wife relationship, things like that. This abuse thing is only going to get worse. It is going to get worse and worse. There's no doubt about it. What, what do you think is the source of abusers within the IFB movement? Because you are in an extremely sheltered environment in that case, um, but yet the same issue. And it's one of the reasons that I struggle with the religious side as well, is that there is this claim of divine morality and transformation and, and the Holy Spirit. But you see the same things that are happening within the cesspools within Hollywood and certain production offices happening within the most sheltered little house on the prairie-esque you know, church where kids don't have access to pornography. They don't have phones. They don't have TV. They don't watch Harry Potter. You know, you've got um, parents teaching very strict separatism. What is the cause or, or the, the, uh, the starting point that leads to this path, if not influences from, you know, quote unquote, the world? Yeah, I think, and, you know, in my opinion, I, I think there's more than one answer to this, but I think right. one of the reasons you find it in some of the very sheltered situations too is a lot of people who are struggling with uh sexual problems perversion abuse whatever a lot of times they are attracted to the places and even the preachers who kind of preach the most about you know family type stuff and so a lot of times um you know like now i am not a fan I do not, I, I will not defend like guys like Bill Gothard and stuff like that. Right. Um, he, he, he had a lot of problems, but understand what he promoted and what people thought they were going for was stuff on the family, strong marriages. And a lot of times the people who get caught up in those movements like that are people who have major issues that they're trying to work out. So they all tend to gravitate towards the loudest voice when it comes to those things. And so as a result, those people who, you know, were preaching strong on the family and everything, it ends up making it look like they've got a lot of failure because so many of their followers just turn out to be freaks and have all kinds of problems. But the truth is they got involved with them, I think, trying to find help, but not ever telling, you know, people, because one thing I find out too, you know, as a pastor, a lot of times people, they come to your church, you know, because they have real problems and they're looking for help. Yeah. The problem is they don't tell you the problems that they're having. Yeah. And well, so and it makes it very do. hard. It makes it very hard to help yeah. them. So again, yeah. those loud voices often attract the hardest cases. Mm-hmm. And so 
the and, and and two they also because their problems are so hardcore they think if i go the most hardcore strict i'll be most likely to get over these things mm-hmm. but again hardcore is not always the solution on everything mm-hmm. but that's just kind of how they naturally think right yeah i'd agree with a, a lot of that um I think that's, I think that's true. And I think there's also, you know, I mean, churches are just, uh, there's a lot of naivete in a lot of churches and, and there's a lot of places that, you know, sweep this kind of stuff and, and try to fault on the side of grace when it comes to some of these cases and things. And so it's, a, it can be a safe haven. Um, yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with a lot of, a lot of what you said on that, on that point for sure. Yeah. So, you know, and that's why I've always tried to, you know, to teach people in our church, you know, don't always just listen to the loudest voice. Don't just listen to the person who's most hardcore, you know, look for, uh, you know, look for somebody that, you know, has some balance, you yeah. know, and, um, but, uh, but yeah, so let's, I kind of want to, cause you know, we, I know we're a little, we're limited on time, but uh, one thing I wanted to do too, you know, Another error where I think you discredit yourself sometimes are the people that you go after. Okay. And again, obviously mm-hmm. you've got the Jack Scops that are out there. You know, we're all embarrassed by Jack Scott, have huge problems with him. But I was going through your videos and uh, looking at some of the people that you featured that I feel like you featuring these people has discredited you. And um, I think you should. I just, I don't, and all these people I'm going to talk about too, you know, these are not like people that I'm buddies with Mm -hmm. that, um, these are all probably people that either don't know me. And even if they did know me, they probably wouldn't defend me for anything. So this is not me just circling the wagons for my buddies, Mm -hmm. but you just recently put out a video about pastor, uh, Mike Johnson. Mm -hmm. And in that thing you you put on their anti LGBT rhetoric, Mm -hmm. which I'm like, who cares? I mean, you know, in the IFB, we've always talked negatively about LGBT. Yeah, another thing yeah. too in the IFB, we've always done. This is just how we are. We're all like, we're all mm-hmm. like this. You know, some of us will just admit it. But you know, just like you know, sometimes you tell boys, "I stop being a girl." You know, you tell guys, "Stop being a queer." And I mean, what was the offensive part on that clip? The fact that. He said queer and that's offensive to LGBT or the fact that he offended maybe people who like soccer. What offended you more? <laughs> I'm, I'm a hardcore soccer fan. I was that I was that. No, I mean, the, the big, the big reason, I mean, really for talking about that, I mean, and I have, um, you know, I've, I've known, I mean, I've known people who grew up in, in fundamentalist environments who, you know, later came out as gay and um, you know, and my concern is, beyond even just the question of theology and you know all this conversation my concern is i don't want somebody who is just scrolling through facebook coming across and same thing when i talk about abuse same thing when i talk about any topic racism fill in the blank you know there's certain there's 99 of topics that i can come stumbling across that don't bother me and don't hurt my feelings whatever there's a very few amount of of things that come up where I would like some advanced warning that that's what I'm about to watch. This is what I'm about to see. I don't like watching anything about, you know, extreme violence. Um, you know, I, I, there, there's certain topics that, that come up. So when I'm thinking about people who have gotten pretty verbally beat up about, you know, whatever homosexuality about whatever the topic is, 
I'm going to throw something in and say, hey, by the way, this is what this clip is. So, um, you know, as to what he was talking about, I mean, one, it was completely relevant to whatever he was about to preach about. So it was just a random aside. But also it was just it was just a dumb rant. So uh, I want to I want to explain that, too, because I've shared stuff of yours as well. Do I think you're I think, too, though, I think I think he might have been preaching to a bunch of teenagers and Mm -hmm. as preachers, you know, sometimes we're being funny. And two, you know, we are trying to, in a fun way, you know, I, I got the impression when I was watching that clip that him in kind of a fun way, you know, he's just, in, he's encouraging these boys not to be queers. And you probably really need to do that when you're in California. You know, I, I don't know that was the same sermon. It kind of looked like the same place where there's another clip. And I've heard Mike, I've heard him preach a couple times in person. I don't know him on a personal level. I've heard him preach a few times in person. I've always really liked him. So it's like I don't like seeing his name, you know, featured on your thing. I don't think that was a bad thing. You know, he he's got the one clip where he's like, you know, he's like, you guys in your skinny jeans. He's like, you know, what are you doing with those skinny jeans? Those are invented by the homosexual crowd so they could scope you. You know, preachers talk like that. Again, a part part of it's in fun. They're just trying to motive, you know, promote masculinity in an effeminate world. And I'm telling you, I. I don't understand how a straight dude's going to be offended by that. Yeah. I mean, again, I think, and again, there's people I promote that I think are in clips that I think are silly. Um, There's things that I think, you know, and and I'm of a position too, where I think a lot of um, the worst thing you can do is take some of these guys seriously. Um, And there's things that I've shared that you've talked about, you know, that you've, that I've agreed with. And there's things that I've shared that you've talked about that I disagree with, or I think are just like, what are we, what are we talking about? Um, And so, you know, again, do I think one, I don't like Mike Johnson because he's affiliated with a lot of people that are extremely abusive, horrible people that have covered up a lot of things and he's been silent about it. Um, But the other piece of that is too, um, I don't think it's on good fun if you have somebody sitting in that auditorium and again, you can theologically say, okay, well, they need the gospel or whatever you want to throw at that. But if you have somebody sitting in there who is struggling with suicidal thoughts because they're getting made fun of for how they feel about something, or you have somebody in there who's dealing, whatever it is, like that's just not helpful for a quote unquote spiritual leader to come up and like lay one on you you know it doesn't that doesn't help the situation and so um i do think that's concerning and i you know again like i don't suicide rates are extremely high due to bullying due to things like that and so that's concerning to me that that would be said to a room full of teenagers um and it's just unkind like do you want teenagers leaving and saying the same stuff at a mall, you know, like it just doesn't, it, it doesn't seem appropriate. And again, I don't think he's a particularly good person uh, on top of that, but well, but can you understand, but again, this is to me, I'm going to get you back into today's episode in just a moment. But first I want to thank the sponsor that is making today's episode possible. And that sponsor is factor factor creates no prep, no mess meals. You can meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, no matter how many podcasts you're recording, going up and down the stairs, trying to take meetings, whatever you're doing, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great 
tasting meals. And I can say this from experience. They were kind enough to send me a couple of meals for this week, and I enjoyed one just shortly before reading this ad, and it is amazing. And with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. You can make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert and stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And these aren't meals that skimp on quality either. You've got things like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, and so much more. So if you want to try it, go head over to factormeals.com slash preacherboys50 and use code preacherboys 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code preacherboys50 at factormeals.com slash preacherboys50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check out Factor and now check out the rest of this episode. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Where you should be just saying, you know, I got a problem with the Bible. You know, so Pat, you know, and I'm not speaking for Pastor Mike Johnson, but, you know, as Bible believers, you know, we believe that, you know, the effeminate, the abuses themselves with mankind, they're not going to enter the kingdom of God. So, you know, it's just kind of their funny way of just always making sure young people understand it's not okay for you to be that way. If you're thinking that way, you know, you need to, you need to get help. You need to get right. And I I get it. You disagree with that. Well, but as a Bible believer, can you understand why we would try so hard to warn people to stay away from that? But see, what's interesting is the, the picking and choosing of what parts of the Bible mandates these guys take seriously i mean you look at him specifically and i mean he preached for mike ray the day after like the sunday after mike ray said hey uh, by the way you know uh, my son-in-law did something okay we're gonna move him across the thing no questions please you know he still affiliates with jack treber at north valley who covered up abuse someone you you, know, you said you were glad uh Schifflet called that out so it's interesting to me that uh, he'll take a couple passages in the Bible about homosexuality and make this rant about soccer being queer, you know, but he won't go, hey, people who persist in sin, like, I don't know, molesting teenagers at churches, uh, they should be rebuked in the presence of all so others will tremble in fear. Like that part of the Bible gets left on the ground. So it's just interesting to me that there's parts of the Bible that don't affect them that they'll preach loudly and talk about. But when it comes to gluttony, abuse, uh, abuses of power, when it comes to things like that, that gets left down to say, okay, we'll deal with that a different time. No big deal. And you see that with a lot of leaders. I mean, 
look at David Gibbs, who's like 450 pounds, getting up and defending guys like Jack Hiles and David Hiles. But I've never heard him preach about gluttony. That's interesting how they pick and choose. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, you can always find another sin somewhere in the Bible because we all have. But, you know, there are some sins in the Bible that, you know, you were beaten with few stripes and some you were beaten with many stripes. And, you know, obviously, things like murder, things like adultery, you know, these are bigger deals than a guy eating too much, you know. And so, so the, so I think basically what you're saying, your problem with Mike Ray is that he felt associates with people that you, you know, that you feel like have covered up abuse well, with and jo- stuff with like Johnson, that. Yeah. But because I listened to that clip, it just made me like him a little better, but I, again, I don't know him, I don't know him on a personal level. And again, it, it, I, do I think that that clip alone is like the same as, you know, going out and whatever, doing all the other yeah. things I've covered? No. I guess but, I just felt like you were offended. He went after queers, and it's just like, who cares? Well, I, I mean, again, I think we should care. And I think if you hold to a theology, which, again, um, people are made in the image of God, um, the idea that there are people who commit suicide sitting in sermons like that and being told that you know, you're know you useless and invaluable and all the other things that are said, that – you know, it's not a who cares conversation for me at that point. It's a, you know, how do we communicate, you know, even if you believe something else to be the truth, communicating truth and love as opposed to uh, communicating it as a, as a throwaway joke at the beginning of a conference, but you know. Okay. Well, okay. So another one, I want to kind of get through these quick. We're getting get yeah. on time too, but then uh, pastor Joe Brown. Yeah. Why you, why you going? I I felt like that was uncalled for. Um, I felt like too. You know, that's not fair to just kind of like do these videos where you're listening to a guy preach and you're stopping it, and then like you're inserting your thoughts into his mind. I just didn't feel like that was you were fairly wasn't representing that his, him. I, wasn't I think that, he's a good guy. And wasn't that Joe Brown's entire sermon? playing videos out of context, pausing them. At least I gave him context, but he played videos out of context, paused them, and gave his commentary. I haven't seen the whole sermon. I, I guess I've I, only... I, but, I, saw, uh, I saw the clip that you shared, and his, I just was like, this... I, I felt like you were really pushing it, really stretching it. And, so, and he seems like he get And not just by you, but the sure. Twitter world, the IP sermon clips, they go really hard after him, and I feel like they always do the guy's... They go hard after the guys that are in the age group that they feel like they should all be in their little, you know, trendy world. And, uh, you know, but where he seems like he's honoring the ways of his father who they also don't like. And I think Mm -hmm. that's their real problem with him. Not that, uh, you know, maybe he gets a little dramatic in some of his preaching. And even if he gets a little dramatic in some of his preaching, I mean, his dad's, you you know, his dad is the same way. But, you know, his dad... Uh, people have different styles, you know, it's not my style. It's not how I do things exactly. But, you know, I grew up, I grew up going to youth conferences, listening to uh, Brother Larry Brown uh, preach. And I just, I feel like his son's a lot like his dad. And I, I think that's people's problem that they have with them. Yeah. I mean, well, first his sermon was literally him playing video clips, pausing them and talking about them. Um, so, um, well, he's, so, he's I don't think it's dramatic any dramatic effect, but I mean, was he oh, using no. these clips to he... u- twist somebody's words or whatever? Yeah, I mean, he played. Uh, so first of all, yeah, his whole sermon was a series of videos that he he and anybody can go look at it. Like, I'm not 
that's what it was. Um, and so I don't think it's any less appropriate for me to pause his, his words and interject my thoughts than it is for him to pause others' words and, and interject. Um, but yeah, and also he was just disingenuous with a lot of what he was presenting. Um, he played a clip, and again, you know, uh, you he played a clip from uh, Alice Cooper talking about how he grew up a um, how he grew up a, a you know a Baptist you know son of a Baptist preacher came from a long line joined a band became very popular um, you know and what's disingenuous about the clip and again you can say oh he's not a real Christian or whatever. That was a clip from Alice Cooper's testimony video talking about how fame wasn't enough. And he was is now considers himself a follower of Jesus. And so, again, you can disagree and say, well, based on this fruit, we don't agree that he is. But it's disingenuous to play a clip of somebody's testimony video, cut out the part where they actually quote a conversion story and leave it hanging there. Um, same thing, like pausing and playing, you know, messages about, of 911 calls and saying this was a demonic attack on them. There's these things that are just uh, even talking about a, a young man committing suicide, you know, from a popular music group and saying it's because of the music he was playing. That all to me is extremely inappropriate. And it and the way that he used clips was to manipulate teenagers into making a decision, uh, which I've sat in plenty of those youth conferences too, where, you know, Paul Chapel would say, you know, there's these queers like Justin Bieber. He used the actual words, um, which is surprising because he's definitely uh, he definitely doesn't get included in a lot of these conversations. Um, you know, saying if you're doing a ministry outside of being a pastor, you can be wasting your life being a construction worker. You know, it's like these bizarre things. Um, but the reason I went after Joe Brown's video again, you know, it, it's it's looking at the tactics and manipulative approach that he used in his sermon and the fact that he was using so many clips out of context. It was a bizarre sermon. I mean, I whether or not you've watched it, I mean, it was bizarre. And I thought was, I mean, one, it's humorous, but two, that this guy's getting platformed in front of this many teenagers showed an extreme lack of discernment from the, that that past is preaching or something that would be helpful to anybody is beyond me. Well, I mean, do you think it's fair though, that in a, you know, with your channel, that's mainly about abuse and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, where, I mean, you know, you have videos on there featuring some pretty bad guys, mm -hmm. but I don't think anybody really wants to be associated with, you know, and then you're going to have also included on there, you know, videos of guys like Pastor Brown, who just, you don't like his tactics. And I also you know, don't like that he said dramatic. that. Well, I also that didn't like, fair. well, I also didn't like that he he said that victims of abuse had a spirit of resentment yeah, because see, someone touched them. You I know? think, but I think you took that wrong too. Cause that, yeah. Cause I saw that part that was on that one clip too, where I felt like, but no, I think, I don't think what he was in any way, you know, trying to blame, uh, you know, them. But again, when things happen to people that are bad, a lot of times too, they do in their heart, start turning against God and and that's not solution. That's not going to help him, you know, get better. But I don't think again, he was. I don't think he was making them out to be the one at fault. I think that was he was just saying, you know, don't go turn it against God. But it, but isn't it amazing that his approach to that sermon and again? We can say okay, maybe it just wasn't worded right or whatever. But and we all do standing, that sometimes. Sure, I've said, said it. I've said things that I'm like, why did I say that? You know, I, but to stand on a platform at a place like he was 
you know, and we agree Hiles is a that college and that church is not a great place. And yeah, maybe but- we have, but for him to stand there and say, how would the devil attack us doing such great things? You know, he would cause a young woman to be hurt. Why don't you name, you know, one of our pastors was a wolf in sheep's clothing, hurt a girl at this church. And that's horrible. That's terrible. And we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to not let that happen again. And if that was you, just know that you're not damaged. You're not broken. We love you. We're here to support you and we're going to protect you. That's a much better message than, you know, that's what Satan does to give you a spirit of resentment. So you'll leave the faith (laughs) like, Oh, indirectly we'll talk about Scott without saying Scott's name. It was a, it was a cowardly move. I don't think he was, I don't think he was thinking about Scott. And that was one of the things he was talking about Scott. When he says after a youth conference, he caused a young lady to be hurt. I mean, that's, that's when it happened. He's at yeah, that place. I don't place. remember the exact quote, but here's yeah, because I remember you talking about in a place like that. We well, you know. Let's talk about that place for a little bit because uh, first off, that's a huge church, and yeah, Scop was horrible. But that's been like ten years now, and so I mean, John Wilkerson too. You've gone after him, mm-hmm. and I, ha, hasn't he done a really good job? From what I've seen, the guy took a really tough situation and I think he's done very well. I mean, I only know of the one scandal I remember you covered with like a bus work or something like that. Mm-hmm. But on the video, he's like announcing it to his church. I mean, in a, in a church that big, you're not going to be able to stop, you know, anything or, you know, a hundred percent of things from, no, or, and I don't expect stuff's going to happen. Everything. But yeah. the thing is we only know of like one thing happening and he dealt with it. In, in 10 years at a huge place like that, I think somebody like John Wilkerson should be being congratulated. You know, I don't think he should be getting lumped in with all that stuff. I think, too, you have to you have to let some of these places live these things down. Okay, it's, it's another thing if they, like, let Scott come back and preach another sermon. But they did. They exposed him when they found out. They got rid of him. They brought in a pastor who's a polar opposite of Jack Scott. And I and he seems to be doing a really good job from what I can see of doing things right. So why can't we let him live it down? Yeah, I mean, again, I would I would ask like, what has he done? You know, what has he done well, to? There, I don't hear about the scandals anymore. And when okay. we have heard about one, he was addressing it to his church, and and he was he was dealing with it. Everybody knows. Again, I mean, we could look back at the clip. I mean, because I, I don't think it was a thorough explanation of what happened. I don't think there were clear steps really taken um, on that approach. And I know firsthand, which I won't name names, but I know firsthand from victims who have gone forward to talk about, you know, either existing abuse or past abuse that has happened, and asked and went to him because they thought he was going to be a different voice, and didn't get responses or weren't able to have real meaningful change happen based on those conversations. But also you look at guys that are still on staff at that church, you know, like Eddie Lapina and and all these different guys at First Baptist Church of Hammond, like there hasn't been a lot of change. It still looks and functions very similarly. Um, and also you still have statues of Jack Hiles sitting around, you know what I mean? Like they're very proud of that heritage. Um, it just seems odd to me that, um, you know, it would be easier for me to quote unquote, let them live it down if they weren't so 
proud and upheld this this history they have where i mean there's been a lot of bodies thrown under the proverbial bus you know and and that they haven't mentioned that or corporately talked about that in a meaningful way um they've just kind of said hey we'll just hire a quieter pastor than the last one um it just it it, it just seems odd to me and again is uh is wilkerson better than scop um yeah, because to best of my knowledge, he's not doing the thing Scop was doing. Um, do I think that he is a white knight, you know, riding over the hill to save the church? Um, that very might be so, that very well might be so that he's uh, saving the church, but I, I don't see it being a, a safe place to be a, a survivor or a victim. I, I just don't see that or those steps being taken in a, in a real way. Well, I, I one thing I don't think you do a lot of times in your program too, though, is show it is a very difficult thing for leadership when it comes to handling accusations because mm-hmm. again you know you need evidence you know you need uh you don't want to falsely accuse somebody it is a hard thing and so you know if, if people are coming to john wilkerson it's like yeah you know 15 years ago 20 years ago this happened i mean what what can what can he even do you know and and i get it you know, there's pro- I, I'm sure there's probably a lot of stuff that happened under the Scop era that never got exposed, mm-hmm. never got dealt with. But at the same time, again, you can't always go back and erase what was done in the past, especially if it was just a really big thing. I just think, you know, considering what we've seen so far, and I'm an outsider too. I don't I don't hang around that church. I'm not really close to anybody in there. But I do know a lot of eyes are on that place. People mm-hmm. are always looking for something. And when you consider the lack of scandal that has been there in the last 10 years, considering its history, I just think he deserves a lot of credit. You know, we mentioned Paul Chapel too. Okay, now, I do not consider myself a Paul Chapel follower guy or anything like that. But one thing I have to say for Paul Chapel too, very large ministry. I don't hear about a lot of scandals coming out of that church. Um, mm-hmm. I do remember when the Mike Zachary thing happened, mm-hmm. he exposed that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, so I, th- I think, I think guys like him don't get enough credit too, but you know, yeah. y- you know, so there's, there's some really good examples, not even just amongst the regular size churches, but even with the big ones, you've got guys that are, that are doing it right from what I've heard about chapel. You know, I think they're, you know, he, um, and his, I think he's had history with pastors that have done stuff. And so it's something that he's worked very hard to keep out of his ministry. And it seems like, you know, he's done that. And so yeah, and I've when, talked when about guys that. like even him too are getting lumped in with all this, I think you just have an IFB problem. Well, and see, I, but that's the thing is I haven't lumped chapel in and i've said on my show, you know, you the got worst videos thing, with them too. Sure. Of course. And, and of course I'm going to, talk about you know there's things that that come up and but the worst thing and i've mentioned this the worst things that can be said about chapel and the worst stories that the horror stories that i've heard about chapel are all about you know the ceo type you know i'm going to work you way too crazy hard with little to no pay which i think is a big problem i think you know again i have my own experiences with with that where you have people that are doing well and not paying their staff well and working them too hard is that again as bad as you know sexual abuse like no um is it still not good uh yeah um but again i haven't covered chapel much um 
I've I haven't covered West Coast much aside from things that have happened like that are adjacent to that ministry, but I don't think he's directly responsible for. But there's multiple. I mean, I've never done a story on Maranatha Baptist Bible College, you know, like I and maybe that's just because nobody's reached out to me from there. But there's plenty of ministries that have not had scandals. Like I've ne- again, I've never broad brushed the entire, you know, I think a Treber is a much worse hurt. Like if I'm going like that's a bad guy, like I think Treber is a bad guy. Do I think Paul Chapel's a bad guy? I don't even feel comfortable saying that. Like I've had that conversation with people. I think he has taken like CEO leadership approach to a ministry. And I think your mileage with that varies. I think there's people that burn out and there's people that say they, they, they thrive in that and they go work really hard and they build a bunch of buildings in all the desert. Like that's bizarrely, you know, I think he would have been successful working for Apple, you know, like I think he just brought that approach. So again, there's things to look at and there's stories that come out anywhere. Um, but for the most part, like there's, there have been pastors who have approached things and handled them the right way. And, you know, I'm not even one that's cynical, like some that go, well, you haven't heard about West coast scandals because they are so good at covering them up. It's like, okay, you know, maybe that's possible. And sometimes you, you know, you're, but I think for the most part, um, I think he wants to keep scandal free for the success of the church. And I think that, um, you know, again, you look at the Mike Zachary situation, like, the cover-up was largely on the Treber side, not the chapel yeah. side. And maybe I sound like a SoCal guy still, and I'm protecting the, the you no, know, the Paul so, yeah. Chapel vibes. But yeah. I'm not um, a chapel. Anyway. I'm not a chapel guy. But I and just, I'm not either. Just on but, the let the record show. I at the don't same attend. time, I think in that area he's done well. I just I think I think you give credit where credit's due. Sure. You know? And I, I think with Zachary, he Zachary was out quick, and I was pretty mm-hmm. adjacent to that. Zach, I was there. I was in high school. I believe I was in high school. Yeah. Cause I was going to conferences. So yeah, I was in high school when that happened. I remember Zachary being on the platform. I remember when it happened, how quickly he was gone. Um, my only concern was um, the statement that was released initially by West by Lancaster. That was really good. Um, North Valley posted their statement, which contradicted a bit. And then the two of them released a statement that was a little bit more vague about what happened. That was my only frustration with that situation. But again, um, you know, he got him out of his ministry quickly. Um, and then he was quickly absorbed into another ministry in San Diego, but that's a whole nother uh, story. But um, yeah, I don't, I've, I haven't critiqued much about how Chapel handled that situation. And ultimately we don't really know how he handled it. We can just look at what happened from the outside and he was right, out yeah. there quickly. Well, with all situations, there's going to be so much that we don't know, you know, and, but, but again, so, I feel like when it comes to stuff like yours too, you just kind of need new material. So I was looking, I was looking back at your videos too. Your third video that you uploaded that's on your channel, it was with Pastor Keith Gomez, who he recently retired, but he was forty years in a large church. Okay, uh, forty years. I've been around that ministry a lot over the years. I not only do I not know about scandals in that church too. But like, here's another thing. One of the things that's always impressed me about that ministry too, is how many of the staff members that he has that have been there for, I mean, just decades and decades. I mean, long, lot of long-term staff people there. And, and the fact that they haven't had, but you know, you went after him over some rants he did about the COVID-19 stuff, 9-11 Muslims, Democrats, you know, 
he was right on on that stuff. I mean, you know, it's just like I think a lot of times though, but you know, he's a big name in the IFB. You know, I don't think he's so that you want to get his followers looking at big? your stuff, but he what's that? I don't think in he's certain a big circles name in Illinois. I mean, he's got he's got the big IFB church in Illinois. So he he turned it over to the next guy uh, now, but I mean, but at the same time, um, it just seemed like you know, hey, I want if I want to get the different wings of the IFB looking at my stuff, I need to feature these different people, and I just I don't feel like he's was even close to being worthy to being featured on your channel at all, you know, because the stuff he was saying, everybody in the IFB says, and this is a guy who has a reputation. It's totally opposite of the kind of stuff that you're going after. So it's like, you know, if I was you, I wouldn't want to draw attention to people like him. I wouldn't want to draw attention to people, uh, you know, like uh, Wilkerson or Chapel, because these guys are proof that you can do it, that you can do it right, you know. And, and, you know, and so, um, you know, your second video, that's on your channel. It was about IFB's old fashioned views on modesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had Larry Brown, but you even had uh, a pastor, Tim DeVries. Okay. Now I don't, I don't know him personally too, but I've heard a lot of his preaching everything. I mean, that's a solid guy that nobody has a problem with in the IFB world, but it's like, you know, you know, we're going to, make the IFB look like there's something wrong with them. And, you know, they've got some kind of perverted problem because they're worried about modesty and stuff. And it's just like, if they're IFB, they're not off limits for you. And again, I think if you want to be effective, you stick to bona fide perverts, but you just go after everybody. Well, again, and again, I've said this a couple of times, but I think you have to look at the system that the bad guys operate in. And you have to look for areas that enable people i think when you have an environment you know purity culture for example you know which again addressing the culture associated with that the way that um you see preaching clips about um how women are devalued if they were certain things you see you know pastors you know like larry brown talking about um you know women you know wearing tight clothes you know and and going after those groups like when you have a culture that is that is estimating a woman's value based on what she wears and uh you have these guys getting up and talking in explicit detail for a pastor about how someone looks in a certain outfit and you have uh all of this uh your self-worth tied into you know whether you're a, a slut for wearing this skirt or this these pair of pants like that's not a healthy culture especially when you have pastors going into you know, should your kid be wearing a sleeper because that might, you know, because uh, it has pants on it. So you don't want your daughter, you know, developing the spirit of rebellion and, and taking on these masculine traits or, you know, or approaching uh, kids going swimming who are not even prepubescent kids and going, hey, you can't wear a two piece because it's sexual. Like, it shouldn't be sexual. Like, if you're looking at them and seeing that as sexual, that's more on you as the viewer than them wearing the clothes. So Again, I'm looking at the system and going, you know, things like purity culture have not been helpful to victims of sexual abuse and has enabled abusers in a lot of ways. Um, I want to talk about the system and I want to talk about the worst examples within that system. Not everybody at First Baptist Church of Hammond was a scop, but scops sure got away with a lot within First Baptist Church of Hammond. So 
you have to look at the system and you have to look at the beliefs that can help fuel abuse. Is it everything the IFB teaches? No. Is it every person the IFB believes that? No. Does it enable a lot of bad people? Yes. There's a lot of things like that messaging that does enable bad people. Well, you got you got to understand guys like like Pastor Larry Brown, you know, he so and he comes from a generation too that was like before the internet and all that kind of stuff when things would go viral. And, and a lot of mm-hmm. those guys they kind of still have that mentality when they go to the pulpit. But you know, he uses funny stuff. And and the truth is too, you know, when you're this big fat woman, you know, and you're wearing these super tight britches, it is repulsive to everybody. Shouldn't somebody tell people, hey, this is not this is not good. This is not helping you out. You know, shouldn't somebody let people know? I mean, and 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 I I you know he's obviously being is that, funny. Is that the role of? A, but is that the role of the pastor to get up? So he's, if somebody's, but again, if somebody's in the if somebody's in the congregation, who is of that size, again, you're hearing something you'd expect to hear at a comedy club in L.A. at 11 p.m. coming from a pastor. He's supposed to then say, "Turn in your Bibles. Let's talk. Let's read through this passage." Um, and also, it's amazing to me that these conversations about ill-fitting clothing and weight come into play from pastors talking about women in the congregation or outside the congregation. But you, they never say a word, again, about uh, David Gibbs coming to their platform, breathing like he's the penguin in a Batman movie, coming up and talking about these fake stories that he uses to generate tears and get donations to his organization. So again, it's just interesting to me the picking and choosing of who gets picked on. And again, this goes to there not being female voices within the movement. There's a lot of sexist and rude stuff that gets said that I don't think would happen if there was a equal voice for females within the congregation. Hey, well, you know, Larry Brown, he's never heavy. And from, I've been told too, he, I don't know if he still does. <laughs> I, he used to do like these hundred mile bike rides and stuff. So he was always in shape. So you know, he, he, he's allowed oh, to say okay. something. There you go. But when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But yeah, but you know, so uh, you know, one thing too I wanted to point out because again, it's it's easy to find the noisy nut jobs, you know, the bad guys that are out there. But you know, you've talked to, you know, good guys too. You know, you did the interview with Stacy Schiff, it was really good. Another mm-hmm. one that you did, um, that I, I remember I listened to a long time ago. Uh, you did an interview with Pastor Michael Poindexter, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I thought he nailed it in that interview. You know, these are guys who are as IFB as you can get, and yet yeah. 
they don't have the you know they don't have the scandals they have all these other things that you don't like mm -hmm. you know you know they they promote the purity stuff you know the dress standards you know they talk against the music all that kind of stuff but you know they they also um they're not like the featured speakers in the you know the biggest conferences and things like that which is, but, which is also telling because i would much rather see shiftlet oh i would too be a featured speaker or michael poindexter even even though i disagree it's it's there's two things there one i've had those guys on so clearly i'm not considering them also to be evil horrible people um you know i do think there's conversation about in, intent of what you say and impact of what you say and all those sorts of things but like again those are guys who I wish if the IFB was Stacy Shiflets across the board, this would be a much different conversation. You know, I, I would solve my disagreements, obviously, about whatever, like I do with everybody on every side. Like we all do. Nobody is if you agree with someone 100 percent, you're in a cult. OK, like there's something really bad there. But my thing is, I've had those guys on. And the interesting thing to me when I have these conversations is people go and people always go Stacy Shiflet. Like, well, there's Stacey Shiflet. And it's like, one, most of the IFB leadership, like, he doesn't get invited to stuff. Like, he's got a black mark on him from calling out Treber in a big way. And, like, there's just no, I mean, he does. But then it's like, those guys get killed within that movement. Michael Poindexter, like, he's got a small sliver of the IFB, like, that he's in. Like, if the IFB as a whole does not have major issues, why are people like Treber in such big positions? People like, you know, establishments like all these different colleges or organizations, they have these high positions of power. But then somebody comes out, and I thought when Shiflet did the video, oh, the floodgates are going to open. This is where all the good guys come out. It's crickets for the most part, aside from some fringe people, which again, I disagree with you on most. You're vocal about abuse. You'll call out by name. That's something that cannot be said of most people. I can count on this hand how many pastors I've seen publicly call out abuse in a, in a public forum. And again, we could say some don't live stream and all that sort of thing. I'm sure there's more. But most calls that I get from IFB pastors who come, call me and say, hey, actually, thank you for what you're doing. I disagree with you on most, but I agree with you on saying this and this and this. I get the, I would support you, but... It's I'm part of that movement. I would support you, but you're a little bit too far out there on this thing. It's like, can't we all find if there's one piece of common ground, if there's one fundamental thing we can all agree on, isn't it that people should be safe within the church? And it doesn't seem like that's a conversation that that most pastors want to have. Um, I wish there were more Stacey Shiflets. I will platform guys who totally disagree with me on everything, but agree on abuse. Like, I'll talk to those people any day. Um, there's just not that many of them out there uh, willing to do that. All right. Well, and I guess the reason I brought up guys like Shiflet and Poindexter too is because I think those guys are actually a an accurate, more accurate representation of the IFB as a whole. Now, where a lot of even you know regular IFB guys I think make a mistake is again there is a problem with the celebrity pastor uh, where we. You know, IFB preachers, they do. They give too much attention to certain popes and big names. You know, I, I wish if a shiftlet had a conference or a point extra, you know, to me, people ought to prioritize, you know, some of these guys that have like regular sized churches, 
you know, because they they do. They we're going to learn things from them that'll actually help churches like mine that are regular size versus these mega churches, you know. In Rock Falls, Illinois, I'm never going to have a church like Lancaster, you know. So I you know, I would rather go to the smaller church thing. And I I do wish the IFB would focus more on guys like them, you know, the re- the regular guys. Obviously, I will never be the one they focus on. I'm too uh, I'm too different on some stuff. But, you know, these guys that are more the – there are people that are kind of the full IFB package, yet at the same time, um, they're not caught up in all the foolishness. And I I think the IFB does. They need to stop going to the Bible college guys. And, you know, yeah, they should have the shiftlets come and mm-hmm. preach for them and people like that. I think they'd be better off. But – um, you know, either way, and I know we're, I know we're about out of time, but I guess the thing that I wish I could get across to you and your audience too, and we, we probably don't really have a whole lot of time to get in this because obviously on one hand, it's like, I'm, I'm glad you came out of the closet as being an unbeliever because I never really thought you were. And I know you say that you were, you were a believer. News, news to me. Yeah. But at the, at the same time. Okay. At the same time, I don't want to see people, you know, leave the faith, leave the IFB and stuff like that. And I think it is. I think it's the bad guys in the IFB that create people like you. I think it's there are bad guys in the IFB world. They create the and inspire the recovering fundamentalists and stuff like that. Yeah, and I the don't church want to split, see that. which just jumped in. So Who welcome did? to the church split. Oh yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian's there. A little late to the party, but yeah, oh. but. Here, here's what you got to understand. You know, Jesus was very clear that, you know, the devil was going to sow tares among the wheat. Okay? They're, they're going to look like us. They're going to sound like us. And just something to help people kind of identify, okay, you know, who the real ones are. Because the world, they do not hate us, you know, because we are just believers in Christ or Christians. They hate us because we testify their works are evil. You know, we do. We preach against the homosexuality. We preach against uh, the queerness, all that kind of stuff. That's why. That's why they hate us. But the there are there are the outward visible markers of ours that make us different from the world. How we dress, you know, how we look, those things that we preach. Those are those are the main things that people can see and that they notice about us, which makes those things the easiest things to mimic. So the thing is. If I want to make somebody think, you know, I'm a camp meeting preacher when I'm not, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to turn on the southern accent because you got to have that's like the most notable thing about him. I'm going to grow a fat gut, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna do those. I'm gonna do all those outward things. But at the end of the day, I'm still a Yankee. I'm not a camp meeting preacher. Uh, I'm not like those guys. And so there's a lot of people out there who they are. They're infiltrators. And so they are, they're going to be the ones yelling the loudest about the dress standards, yelling the loudest about the purity. They're going to be saying the most extreme things because they are, they're trying to convince everyone that they are one of us. And I do, I feel like your side often features the noisy nut jobs. But let me tell you, fakes can't be balanced. They, they can't do it. They're, you can't be balanced when you're fake. And so that's why a lot of these guys that are preaching the most hardcore on male leadership, you know, also treat women terrible. Well, that's against the Bible too. Male leadership is in the Bible, but you know, treating women bad 
That's also frowned on big time in the Bible. But they only, but the thing is, nobody criticizes the IFB for giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel. We get criticized for the authority part. So the fakes come along and it's all authority, authority. The man's in charge, the man's in charge. You know, we get criticized for corporal punishment. And so you do, you have the pearls come along, just like beat the kid, beat the kid, beat the kid, you know? And it's just like, you know, you know, you don't have to go crazy and extreme with this stuff. But I just, it's interesting how, you know, those are the ones though that everybody picks up on, everyone focuses on. And to me, those people are obvious phonies. And I don't get bent out of shape when I see you going after them. It's when I see you going after the good guys. And I see you go after a lot of good guys. And I think it's because they're testifying that your works are evil. So, you know, that, but that's my thoughts. On There's it. no question there, so I don't know. What to- <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I, I just want you and I want your crowd that listen to this to just know that that's how you spot the phonies. They, they can't be balanced. Okay. Scott said crazy extreme things. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a, a good signal that he's fake and things that weren't, what did he say? That weren't consistent. What's that? What did he say? That was crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, don't get me going all that, but, but here's the thing, like, you know, like you said about me, you know, I might have some beliefs that are extreme as far as the world is concerned, but you got to admit they're consistent too. Mm-hmm. And I guess I feel and I told like you that at least yeah, you're consistently right. crazy, but I, but I even feel like you're very inconsistent and I think it's because you're just against the IFB. And I, I question whether or not you really believe the things that you say, because it's like, you know, I, I am, I, again, I understand people get mad at the IFB. What I can't understand being okay with homos. I, what I, you know, I, I understand being mad at the IFB, but feminism, I mean, come on, all, you know, all this, you just, you've become the full liberal package of everything. And I hate, you know, that's, that's not what should happen. I have been called the full package before. What's Um, that? I have been called the full package before. I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, No. And, and again, I think, I think, I think again, we are constantly changing as people. Um, I think I've consistently tried to be open about where I'm at, um, which is all I can do um, is try to be consistent about where I am. And um, I feel a lot better, you know, again, it it brings me a lot of, uh, it brings me a lot of uh, hatred to state my positions from either side. Um, But my thing is that I've been consistently open about, Hey, here's where I am. This is something I've claimed before. I don't believe it. Um, And I think it takes a lot more guts to do that and say, Hey, I'm a work in progress. I'm figuring this out. I'm trying to understand uh, life itself. I'm trying to research. This is where I am. Um, I think that takes a lot more guts than to say, I've got it figured out. I believe this and I'm just going to keep putting on this show every single Sunday. Um, And again, I'll just echo back to you. I know we're at the end here. Like my hope for, you know, your side, which again, I hate monolith, but you know, but for the IFB side, for people who are listening, who would disagree with me on certain things. um, And for people on the flip side, on my side, who disagree with, with sides, I hope that we can all agree on certain things. Um, For example, abuse. I hope that we can all find common ground in protecting people who need to be protected. 
Um, and I hope we can um, not broad brush, you know, people based on one position that we disagree with and not uh, avoid conversation based on things we disagree with. Um, it, it, it saddens me that there's people who, you know, will, will say, Hey, you're just a far left liberal, you know, you jump to that extreme for clicks and views. Um, and then I have people on the far left liberal side who say like, you're way too conservative. You know, I get those, I get both sides of those messages at the end of the day, I'm me, uh, and who I am is going to evolve and change as I learn and study and research and, and talk to different people and hear perspectives. And so I hope that people don't throw out the important messages about uh, stopping abuse. If there's an IFP pastor, I've had pastors call me before. If you want resources and things, I'm not going to say, hey, what do you think about the King James and skirts? And I'm going to give you resources. Um, so anyway, I just I just hope that's clear. And, and uh, I hope that we'll try to at least stand united on this front, if nothing else. Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate you uh, coming on the program. I think what I'm going to do here to close it out um i'm going to uh, i'll uh, you know i'll kind of give you a final word to say but then uh i just at the very end after you get off i might need i just want to take a couple minutes for some preemptive damage control because i know (laughs) not everybody's going to be happy that i had you uh on here but um so and that's I, silly. Like, can we agree that's silly oh, that yeah. that anybody no, I, on my side or your side would be upset that we had a conversation? Right. <laughs> like that. I mean, that shouldn't happen. Right. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah. There's there's legitimate concerns, but again, you know, there's how other people operate, and there's how I operate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just want to, you know, uh, acknowledge a few of those things. And so I know you've got to get going. But uh, I'll let you go ahead and uh, have a final word you'd like to say, and then uh, I will. I'll let you step away, and then I'll close it out. Yeah, um, I, I think I said what I need to say. Uh, check out the Preacher Boys podcast. Uh, plug, plug, plug. Uh, go, go check that out. And honestly, uh, like I said, I would just say I know there's majority uh, IFB people probably listening to this. Um, sincerely, if there's any questions resources anything i could help with as far as the uh preventing abuse side any anything if you're curious about that uh, i'm happy to help i'm not gonna just go on attack mode that's not my mo i've talked with a lot of pastors who i strongly disagree with who i think have uh, asked really good questions about you know security at our church or here's a step or who's a good law firm to talk to to walk through the stuff like i'm i'm happy to help there um and ultimately at the end of the day i just don't want to see people get hurt whether that's in the ifb or anywhere else um i just happen to be connected to this movement i was born and raised in it i saw it firsthand i've experienced some of it and uh so i i want to keep sounding the alarm there uh, but i do appreciate uh the shiftlets of the world, the people, I mean, Tommy for, um, we disagree on so many things. We had a great conversation yesterday about a lot of those. Um, but at least you have the guts to admit that this does happen, which is, I think a step in the right direction. Um, and, uh, I appreciate you giving me the chance to, to talk about it and, uh, for, uh, not, not beating me up too hard, uh, on this conversation. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'll go ahead and let you go. And then, perfect. Say I'll some just, uh, final words, but um, but yeah, so I appreciate Eric uh, coming on here and doing that. But yeah, for those who might have a problem with me having a conversation with them, okay, 
I, I'm not mad at anybody that may disagree with me having this conversation. But at the same time, too, I do think, um, you know, as somebody who identifies as IFB and who is defensive of the IFB, somebody who's been publicly critical of Eric on multiple occasions, um, you know, I... You know, I I felt like if I'm going to address a lot of these things, I shouldn't be afraid to do it right in front of him, with him there, and um, and I guess I want people like him too. In case there are people out there who are wanting to expose these things, you know, who are good people, don't get caught up in all this other stuff. You just you discredit yourself. I want perverts to get busted. I want them gone from the ministry. But, you know, we do more damage than anything when you, uh, when you lie, when you get things wrong. There's a lot of people that are going to identify Eric as just a troll. And you know what? He's gotten enough stuff wrong. And I, I nailed him for a bunch of those people that he's unfairly gone after. You know, if a pastor doesn't want to give him the time of day, if they don't want to talk to him, if he's letting a call and fact check, I don't blame him. You know, guys like him, they need to be 100% right, and he's and he's not. So I'm not mad at people that don't want to talk to him, but I guess at the same time, too, you know, I'm not afraid to talk to somebody like that, call out some of these things, and, you know, I would rather do it with him there because it is, I think it's just, it, I, I don't think it's that effective for me to just, you know, get up and tell you everything he's thinking and talk about him completely unchallenged. I don't think that's going to win anybody over. So you know what? If he wants to come on here, and then I can get his audience over here, you know, um, I, I I trust my audience to not get pulled his way. But maybe I can pull some of his audience the right way because, again, while there are bad people out there, while there are tares among the wheat, while there are guys who are overly emphasizing some of the notable characteristics of the IFB, you got to understand those people are not the majority. There are a lot more out there that are the real thing, that they are sincere, and they do. They love the Lord. They're not perfect, but at the end of the day, you're not going to find, I don't think you're going to find a better movement out there than the IFB. And so I'm, I'm sticking with this, um, and I'm going to defend the teachings that that I believe in, I'm going to defend the good guys that are out there when they're being attacked, and there are and and because and there are there's a lot of them, uh, and those bad ones, you know, I hope I hope they get nailed. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we had a good live audience through the whole thing, and um, if you get a chance, if you're not from this channel originally, came from Eric, uh, go listen to some good IB preaching on this channel and you can you can hate abuse without becoming a left-wing lunatic uh, it's it's very possible to do that and that's how we are over here thank you for listening to the preacher boys podcast if you appreciated the content on the show please leave a review on itunes and don't forget to connect with us on facebook instagram or twitter with the handle at preacher boys dog Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.